Welcome to the 16th episode of Season 2 of Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports columnist Scott Osler to break down how Golden State is looking at the All-Star break. After practice Tuesday in downtown Oakland, Osler and I sat down to discuss what's been an interesting first two-thirds of the season, to say the least. We started off by examining the aftermath of Kevin Durant's post-game presser last week. Scott, thanks for joining me on the pod yet again. I really appreciate it. We've been leaning on you pretty heavily lately, uh, but we always enjoy your insight and expertise. Um, well, I'm, we're, I'm honored to be here. We're we're finally nearing All-Star Weekend, and the, the crazy thing about the NBA is All-Star Weekend, you'd think it'd be a halfway point, but we're actually two-thirds of the way through the season now. Uh, we're over two-thirds of the way through the season, so um, a lot of the hay is in the barn, as they say. Um but the thing about this beat, man, is it just it never. There's never a dull day. Sometimes I wish there was a dull day. Sometimes I'd like to just wake up, write, write a quick thing, you know, hang out. But no, that that doesn't happen. Um, there's been a lot more drama this season than there have been in past seasons. Uh, everything from the Draymond KD situation in mid-November to the ongoing speculation about uh, about KD's free agency. Obviously, that kind of that kind of hit a breaking point last week, last Wednesday, um, after the San Antonio game when KD called out media for their coverage of his his pending free agency, specifically singling out uh, a writer from the Athletic for something he had written. Um, and we've, you know, Ann and I had kind of an emergency podcast after the game, and we so we got pretty in depth about that. But now we're, you know, about a week from that press conference, and it seems like. I don't want to say he's not over it, but it's still on his mind. Um, he, he had a media tour yesterday um, on an off day for the Warriors where he went on Good Morning America. He went on ESPN. He he talked to several different outlets um, and, you know, was kind of getting his messaging out about his new TV show on ESPN. I think it was largely a marketing thing, but was obviously asked a couple questions about that press conference and kind of doubled down and said that he specifically had an issue with local media members, the beat writers. And keep in mind, there's only like three or four of us, and I, I'm one of them, yeah. um, saying that he had an issue with these guys who are around the team every day and they're not they're writing things without talking to them. I just want to remind the listeners out there, because I think this is kind of getting lost in the narrative. He didn't talk to us for eight days. So, and he didn't, you know, not only did he not talk to us, he he purposely bailed out of availabilities and made himself unavailable. So, you know, we weren't able to talk to him. It wasn't like we were just going behind his back and, and writing things without, you know, doing our due diligence. He, he wasn't making himself available to answer those questions. And, you know, we it's not like my in our job we can just sit back and say, hey, boss, hey, editor, uh, I can't write about that today because I wasn't able to get a quote from KD. You still have to, you know, talk to different people and write a story. And that's just the reality of the situation. Yeah. The thing is, this whole drama, uh, some people might be thinking, okay, now it's kind of played its course. It just gets started. Yeah. And I think one of the the day after that press conference, I got a lot of texts and, and calls from fellow journalists and I think the the thing that resonated with other beat writers the most that that bothered them the most about what he said was 
the fact that he said, I want to just play ball and go home, which kind of ignores the economics of the industry, of, of the NBA, of his own popularity. You know, our job is to write about what fans care about, what what is newsworthy, what is important. And the reality is, you know, whether or not, you know, a top three player in the world could go play for a different team next season is very newsworthy. And it's not like this storyline was just contrived. You know, I said the same thing when uh, I said the same thing when there was the argument between Draymond and and KD. This this issue is real. Um, You know, not only does it does it make sense from just a you know a timing standpoint and a and a salary standpoint and and all the different connections but you know there have been people from KD's camp that have you know kind of confirmed that the, there there's some smoke to this fire you know where where there's smoke there's fire and um national writers have written about this obviously local writers have written about this and um if you look at just KD's the way he's handled this entire situation, it's very clear that if he hasn't made his mind about where he's playing next season, he's at least, you know, very open to to leaving the Warriors. You can at least say that. No, no question. And one of the things about this that is kind of amazes me is that uh, why Durant or anybody in his position would want us to just let him leave him alone, let him go play basketball, to stop bugging him about this stuff, is because this whole thing, this whole sport industry, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's all about money and everything, but it's, it's all based, the whole basis of it is heart and, and caring on the part of fans. And if fans don't care, you and I wouldn't be here covering this. Uh, KD wouldn't be making the money he's making. He'd be playing in a little gym somewhere. So it's all about people really, really caring, not only having an interest, but a deep interest and a, and a, and a love for a lot of people in the sport. And when you do that, let's say you love the Warriors, if you're a Warriors fan, and KD is talking about leaving and busting up the team in a way and, and changing the whole chemistry and changing the fundamental aspect of, of the team and all that stuff. How do you not care about that? KD, to me, is, is essentially telling these fans, stop caring about this. Well, if you stop caring about it, then you stop coming to games, you stop buying the jerseys, you stop buying the shoes, and then it all changes. So I, I just wish that, that he would take a step back and say, you know, this is it's actually kind of amazing and cool that these people care so deeply and maybe I should have a little more empathy for when they're upset that I might be moving or things things might happen to their team the reality is you know he there I have no problem with him coming out and saying I don't want to talk about this right. you know I I want to focus on the season I don't want to think about five months from now or talk about five months from now I respect that good for you you know, the, take the burden off of yourself to be asked about it. Because I, I don't know about other media members, but for me, if a player or an athlete looks me in the eyes and says, I don't want to talk about that, I'm going to stop asking him about that because, right. you know, I know that even if I do uh, keep asking about that after he said it, it's it's only going to hurt me. It's, you know, only going to hurt our relationship, and it's not like I'm going to get anything good out of it anyway. So that doesn't make sense for me to do that. But the reality is he, he you know, he can't expect us to stop talking about it. I mean, and, and, you know, by him, by him not talking to us for eight days, that only amplified 
the questions, you know, and he, he ha- he's been in the league 12 years now. This right. is his 12th year in the league. He has to know that. He has to understand <laughs> that that's how this works. Yeah. That, that old saying that silence can be deafening. I mean, it's very true when it well, comes to especially things like- the timing because you can understand, let's say a guy's having problems at home or something like that, and he's saying, you know, I, I need a couple of days off from talking to you guys or I'm kind of burned out or whatever. But the, just the exact timing, it came out right when, when Kyrie, when the, those reports were coming out that he was going to the Knicks, and just boom, all of a sudden, it, it shut, KD shuts, shuts it off. And so it was obvious that, or it seemed obvious, that there was a clear tie-in. Oh, boy, he doesn't want to talk about this. So it, to me, he could have solved it quite quickly. He could have come out and said, look, I know there's a lot of stuff swirling around. Uh, for the good of my team and, and the league and all that stuff, I'm just not going to talk about this stuff. For the rest of the season, at the end of the season, I'll be, we'll deal with it. But for now, I want to concentrate on the Warriors. No more questions. Ask me about anything else. Ask me about what movies I'm going to, or uh, you know, what who I like in the in, in the National League pennant race next year. But don't don't ask me about free agency. And I'll talk to you guys. I'd love to talk to you about anything else. And I understand that I need to communicate. But it to me, it would have been fairly simple to do that. And it happens a lot. You see it in, in every sport, guys. In a situation like this, they just say, I'm not going to talk about this. And then people back off. I think there are times where it just seems like KD kind of feels like, why do I have to deal with all this? Why me? Why Why is there all this speculation around me? Why are all these things been written about me? But in doing that, kind of playing, you know, having that mentality, he's kind of forgetting that everyone has to deal with it. Yeah. You know, not not everyone, I should say star players of his caliber of which there are only a handful so um, obviously LeBron has had to deal with this numerous times in his career Steph to his own extent has had to deal with it as well Um, but they've kind of gotten ahead of it and they address it in a way where it doesn't necessarily become as big of a story as this one is because they've handled it a little bit better you know this we wouldn't be talking about this right now if KD had come out after that Philly game, because that was the day of the Porzingis right. trade, right. and just kind of shot it down right away. Yeah. Um, and so, anyway, it's I, I know I've gotten some emails, I've gotten some some tweets from people saying, "I'm tired of hearing about this. I'm tired. Can we move on?" And but the reality is, this people still care about this, and it's still based off of how KD is still acting and and. Yeah reacting it's still it's still a thing um you know he he went on that media tour yesterday he um still he talked openly about his relationship with beat writers he um he's been unusually unusually terse with media the past couple sessions that that he's talked to us since he came back from that post-game presser yeah and, and mentioning that uh, like that last post-game presser, very perfunctory answers, very short-clipped. Not not angry, but more or less, I'm not giving you guys anything. And to me, that's unfortunate because, uh, t- uh, two, two points, the NBA is very much a personality-driven league and has been for a long time. And I go way back to the days of Magic Johnson and guys like that, and Larry, even Larry Bird. And th- those guys, all the way through, Dr. J, all the way through to somewhat Jordan, maybe not so much, but it's been a really personality-driven league. Those guys spoke to the press all the time, and they were really good. They were colorful. They were interesting. They were open. They would they would give to the fans. They would give themselves to the fans. They would let fans know that oh, that's really an interesting guy. Daryl Dawkins, guys, just random guys, very interesting guys. 
and that's so much a part of the, the, the heart of, and personality of the league. And with, with Kevin Durant, it's sad what's going on right this second, which could change, I guess. It, it, to me, he's been a really good interview. Um, he's been here, you know, in the two years he's been here, I've talked to him one-on-one -on -one a couple times. You know, I won't say we're close buddies or anything. I, you know, I, the guy wouldn't know me if he walked down the hallway, but there's been a couple times where he really opened up and told me stuff that really surprised me and, and uh, I thought was very interesting and insightful about himself and the game and everything. And I, I, I'd walk away thinking, wow, this guy's a really good interview. He really opens up. He really tries to talk and communicate. And, and I think that's great because a lot of guys don't. And uh, I, I would hate to see, just for his sake, you know, you and I are going to still have our jobs and all this stuff. For his sake, I'd like to see him uh, sort of go back to what he was before, which is an open and, and caring and interesting guy who would give really good interviews. Yeah. No, and like we said earlier, you know, we, we still have five months of this. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it, this can be as big of a story the entire five months as it has been the past two weeks, but it's going to be in the background. And uh, I, for one, you know, don't enjoy talking and writing about this all the time. Uh, it's not – I didn't sign up to be an NBA beat writer, to be speculating, to, you know, have all these what-ifs about a player's future. I wanted – my the reason I got into this industry is to tell good stories. And, you know, there there is some, some interesting human element to this, but uh, sometimes I feel like this is kind of taken away from – my ability to do what I want to do, which is, you know, tell interesting, compelling, human-based stories. Yeah, and it, and I don't want to make this all about us, but uh, in some ways, it's become about, especially about the local beat writers, and and I think it creates somewhat of a false narrative in the minds of some fans and everything that we're out there trying to fool these guys or to sneak around and and get things that uh, and we don't care about them and we're just gonna yeah we'll just use them and and be conniving and all that stuff and really it's uh i'll just speak for this group of media in the, in the bay area and specifically for the the warriors beat writers like for you guys it's you know it's a pretty up and up group it's a it's a young enthusiastic group of people who are interested in the game who like the game or look and like you said are looking for good stories you want to tell good stories and there are stories out there and you're digging for those stories and sometimes you run across things that are not 100% in line with what the players would like to come out. But just, you folks are listening. You know, Connor is not out there. Just so you know, he's not out there saying, "How can I dig around and get stuff on KD that's going to make him mad?" It's, it that just doesn't happen. So what I'm saying is, it's it's some good, hardworking people who are doing an honest job and are not trying to undermine or undercut anybody. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And, um, you know, it's been an interesting couple of weeks, but there's also been a lot of basketball that's been played. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Warriors have been playing pretty darn good basketball. Um, this might come out after the, uh, the, the Utah game tonight, but we're talking right now uh, a few hours before tip of the Utah game, and I believe the Warriors have won 15 of their past 16, right? Um, it's pretty darn good. Uh, okay. The only loss was against a really good Philadelphia team. Um, and But that being said, they haven't looked like they want to look the past couple games. They've gotten off to some slow starts. One of the most surprising stats to me so far this season has been that the, that starting lineup, the five All-Stars, you know, Katie, Steph, Clay, DeMarcus, Draymond, 
they're negative. They're overall. I want to say they were like a minus four overall entering yeah. entering today, which which blew my mind when you think about it because it feels like they're they have really dominant stretches. But you know, a lot of times they're dominant. You know, when Demarcus is on the court, they'll be dominant when he's with that second unit, uh, not necessarily with that first unit. And I think. You know what do you, what do you attribute that to? Because on on it on the, on its head, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't because uh, obviously there's going to be a period of adjustment, and you bring Demarcus in, and everyone talked about that, and Kerr talked about it, and the, and all the guys talked about how we got to blend him in, and they're still saying it's a work in progress blending him in. But for, for one thing, this is like one of the smartest teams of all time when you break it down individually, basketball IQs of all these guys, very smart guys. It shouldn't be rocket science you know it's it's you're blending a new guy in so i think expectations were maybe higher the the one x factor was how good is his cousin's going to be is how healthy he's going to be well it turns out he's he's pretty healthy and he's pretty good so why why are these guys not winning every game by 25 30 points why are why the first quarter it should be uh 46 to 12 every game you would think but and so it's 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 interesting that it's not that they haven't quite gelled and that's going to be i think that a big storyline the rest of the way is can these guys get together my god you got five all-stars in their prime five po- potential hall of fame guys in their prime and you should be you shouldn't have to eke out wins against miami yeah or you know biggest dig a 17 point first quarter deficit against the lowly phoenix suns who have half as many wins as the next worst team in the west um but, you know, uh, I think what we're starting to see is that they're starting to feel the dog days, uh, which, you know, here we are a few days out from the All-Star break, and they're just now starting to feel that, which is a big improvement on last season yeah. when it felt like a good six weeks before the All-Star break. There was that talk of complacency and being ready for the All-Star break, and Steve was talking about wanting to go to Hawaii and and that kind of thing. So... Um, you know, I think the DeMarcus edition kind of helped stave that off for a while, but it was inevitable that there was going to come a time where even they, even with DeMarcus, they were going to get a little antsy. And uh, obviously Draymond's not an all-star, but the Warriors do still have three all-stars, Steph, KD, and Clay. Um, you know, so those three guys aren't going to get a huge break. Um, it'll, the big narrative, obviously, around all-star this year is um, is it's Steph's homecoming. Um, he's obviously from Charlotte. His dad is kind of a legend with the Hornets, was the all-time leading scorer for the Charlotte Hornets until Kemba Walker broke his record recently. Um, and, uh, you know, so that, that'll be a cool storyline. And obviously he's going up against his brother Seth in the three-point contest. Um, so I have a feeling I'm going to be writing a lot about Steph. What what is, what is going to be the biggest thing you're looking for during All Star Weekend? Um, for me, the three point shot thing is going to be big. That's it's it's become interesting in the Curry era, the three point shot deal, because uh, because of Curry and Clay. And is Clay going to compete this year? I don't... No, he's not. Okay, he's not. No, he he just said he needed a break. He also said he wanted to kind of sit back and watch Clay and Seth. Or or sorry. Seth and Steph, um, you know, let them kind of be the show, and uh, which I get. You know, he's I think competed in four straight, so he probably needs a little bit of a breather. You know, the thing about the three point contest is it's kind of a stressful thing. You know, it's all you. The world is watching you. You're you're kind of preparing for it like a game. 
So, you know, I can understand why that could get old and why Steph took a break for a while. And um, But it makes a lot of sense. You know, he said even last year that he was going to come back for the Charlotte game, for the Charlotte All-Star game um, and play in the three-point contest. So, um, you know, and a lot of people don't realize this, but last I checked, I think Seth Curry was like second in the league in three-point percentage at like 48%. I mean, he he's legit. You know, he's he's had an interesting little career, you know. He obviously went to Duke, you know, started at Liberty, went to Duke, uh, played along Quinn, Quinn Cook there, went undrafted, was in the G League, played for the Santa Cruz Warriors for a while, and, uh, you know, has carved out a niche for himself as a backup guard in the league, kind of had his coming out party with the the Mavericks. He's now with the uh, the Blazers in a backup role for them. But he's a solid, you know, guy who I think can be in this league a solid, you know, 10, 11 years. Yeah, and I think maybe some people think he gets his jobs, these backup jobs and everything, because he's Steph's brother and, and the league doesn't work that way. No. Uh, you you got to earn it. And so I think there was a time where people wondered, will this guy ever play in the NBA? And he's played himself in, into a legitimate NBA player and a, and a, a rotation kind of guy, and I think that's really interesting and a good storyline. And I think a three-point shot, you, you, obviously the, the two brothers are going to be very friendly and everything, but there's, they, they both want to win. You, know? you think St- Steph Curry is going to go out there and say, I'll just give it to my brother because you know, he, he he's not a famous guy like me. Uh, Steph's going to be out there to, to win the thing, and, and that'll be interesting. And I also think the whole homecoming thing for Steph is going to be fun and heartwarming. You know, I want to talk about heartwarming. Yeah, um, it's genuine. You know, he loves the place. He grew up there. The people down there love him. I spent a little time down there. I went down to his old high school once and talked to his high school coach. And and uh, it goes deep down there with with him and his dad and and brother and and mom. Mom is don't forget about mom. Mom was a big volleyball star in, in college. And she's big. She can play she, basketball too. Yeah, and uh, so it's that's going to be cool. It's going to be cool to see all the love down there. I, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I was talking to Bruce Frazier today, who obviously is very close to the Currys, um, works very closely with Steph, and he he was telling me about you know his first year with Golden State, which was 2014-15, the game in Charlotte. You know, two hours before they had this huge crowd there, and you know. He said that the you know his dentist was there, his his hairdresser, all that kind of his barber, all that kind of stuff. And uh, Steph was asked today how many people he's expecting to have to get tickets for, and he was embarrassed to even say, but he admitted that it was close to three figures, which is crazy. I mean, I don't even know if I have a hundred friends, you know. So that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that. And, and his dad, you know, he was saying, oh, my dad is much more, because he played all those years down there, my dad's much more of a hero there, but I'm not sure that's the case. I think Steph is a, just a gigantic, the, the, the pride that city and that region has in, in Steph is, is pretty remarkable. And, uh, and it just speaks to the larger Steph Curry story. You know, we've talked about this before, but, uh, uh, you know, he's been here a long time and, and we're not necessarily looking for dirt, but you know, if there's if stuff pops up about a guy, if there's bad things about him, if character flaws or whatever, they tend to surface. But we're still looking for Steph, Steph's uh, character flaws, I guess you might say. So, uh, you know, we're not fans, but uh, I think there's a lot of respect 
among the media and and fans and everything for for Steph and and uh, like to see him have a good time going back home. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you joining me, Scott. It's always fun. Um, you know, we're we're gonna be stay locked and loaded with sfchronicle.com. Um, I'm obviously going to Portland tomorrow, and then I'll be flying to Charlotte for All Star Weekend. We'll have all all the events covered there, so it should be a fun one. I want to thank Scott for joining me on this week's podcast. Always great catching up with him and chatting Warriors. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at cleturno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.